This is essential. 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 This is essential audio. Welcome to the Money Pot at Money 2020. I'm Rachel Morrissey, the executive producer, and I'm here with Will Haskins, Money 2020's Asia Content Director. Hey, Will, how you doing? Hey, Rachel. I'm excited to sit down for this chat with you, albeit metaphysically as we're on opposite sides of the planet. What's really got me excited is to talk about the way changing regulation is reshaping the business of one of the world's largest fintechs, Alibaba subsidiary and group. Just for context, Will is all the way in Hong Kong, and I am sitting here in Brooklyn. So it gives you an idea of how early or late this chat might be for some of us. Uh, Yeah, one of the most interesting parts of this is the fact that there's a lot of Western countries looking at China's payment landscape as a glimpse into what our future might look like. And while China's a bit different, many wonder if this regulatory pullback might foreshadow a similar regulatory shift from Western regulators. You're totally right. There are a lot of juicy angles to this situation, but let's step back a second to outline what exactly has gone on. Okay. As Joe Friday used to say, just the facts, ma'am. Well, the facts are just that before Ant Group was set for a dual listing in one of the biggest IPOs of recent memory, the Chinese regulators asked Jack Ma to come and sit for a cup of tea. As it were. Following that pleasant chat, Alibaba was fined, Ant Group's IPO was postponed, and Ant Group was given a list of changes to make to their business. Okay, so to get a domestic perspective on this, we spoke to Chong Li, He's the Senior Director of Government Relations and Strategic Partnerships for Essential, which is Money 2020's parent company. According to Chong, Ant Group is looking at four main changes. One, removing Alipay as the default payment method on Alibaba. Two, sharing of users' financial data with regulators and partners. Three, applying for a financial holding company license. And four, limiting leverage from microloans. The first one is more about the reduce the systematic financial risks. Because if we look at the Aunt Group's microloan products, if we say that they only have 3 billion capitals, but they handed out more than 300 billion loans to the users. And so it's, it's the high lab- leverage actually made the financial regulators really uncomfortable and they are really afraid that if there are something uh, undesirable happens and it will have a domino effects and affect the other parts uh, or segments of the financial system. Okay, so while there's a big impact on Ant Group specifically, Chang sees these actions as part of a larger pushback on tech players in China. And the second thing is more about the level of the playing field. Because for this year, the Chinese regulators, not only the financial regulators, but technology regulators have made it very clear that the antitrust will be the key focus of the regulation this year. And so that we see there are a lot of antitrust probes, including the fines already imposed on the Alibaba group for uh, breaking antitrust uh, regulations, for it's forcing the clients to choose two or three e-commerce platforms to sell its products. Also, the, it gives other fintech players the opportunities to catch up with the, with the leading fintech players and uh, give them the, the chances to better 
serve the users, the customers, and uh, also to encourage the innovations from those uh, medium or small fintech players. So that's the domestic scene. But what about internationally? We spoke with Sampath Sharma, Associate Research Analyst for APAC Fintech at SP Global Market Intelligence, to figure out what all this means for Ant Group's international business prospects in the short term. Broadly, we could say that there will be at least a couple of ways in which Ant's business model will evolve when it comes to the international side of things. Firstly, Ant will continue to do more of the same, which is that it will expand its cross-border payments business, basically supporting Chinese tourists and uh, Alibaba's international e-commerce businesses. It will also continue to provide various lifestyle services to its international users and uh, provide digital marketing tools to its millions of online and offline merchants globally. Number two, Ant's investment strategy will be, I think, going forward, more about supporting its existing portfolio companies. So in recent years, Ant was a major strategic investor within Asia and occasionally further afield. Will all of this take focus away from the international business? And I wonder if they'll have to pull back from international investment to focus on their home market or will their international business become the priority given the new pressures at home? Ant Group has been a strategic investor in financial technology companies around the world, especially in Southeast Asia. Between 2014 and 2019, Ant Group was very active, you know, scouting around the world for uh, investment opportunities. 2018 in particular was a record year for Ant. The company itself raised about $14 billion and uh, they deployed some of that capital towards investments. Uh, overall, they participated in about 27 transactions in 2018. Now, fast forward to present. In the past 12 months, they've participated in just about uh, three private placement transactions. So clearly, you know, Ant Group has substantially scaled down its investments in both China as well as abroad. I think that if the IPO had been successful, it would have been entirely a uh, different story. But because uh, they plan to spend at least $7 billion from the Hong Kong leg of the IPO on their uh, international business. The suspension of the IPO certainly limits its ability to make investments around the world. While the ongoing regulatory changes will not directly impose any restrictions on Ant Group from making investments abroad, really the need to respond to the, the regulatory changes and the implications for its profitability that could take its attention away from its international business, at least in the near term. Sampath talked about what Ant would have done with the IPO proceeds. And that begs the question, when, or perhaps if, that IPO will happen again, for example, we've just heard that Weibo, which offers a similar service to Twitter, is considering becoming a private company again. So why would Weibo want to become private again? The simple answer is that it avoids a lot of these regulatory issues and they are not as exposed to some of the new cybersecurity controls and regulations that have come down, which are being used to apply a bit more pressure to some of these public companies, particularly those that list elsewhere. So on this point, both Sampath and Chong agree, right? Ant will have to reprove their business model under a new regulatory structure before investors will be comfortable with an IPO. Well, so it's very difficult to say, to be honest, if Ant you know, were to come back with another IPO filing, I would certainly think you know, investors would expect them 
to demonstrate a track record of hosting earnings uh, under the new regime so they may not be in any rush to come back uh, with an ipo filing when the ant group can do the ipo is still uncertain and according to some analysts they believe that it might take 1 to 5 years before the ant group can prove to the financial regulators that it is fully compliant but also i think that ant will also need a time and to prove that they are profitable <laughs> in the eyes of the investors so when it came to the ipo it's a really really an uncertain issue at at least for the time being ipo or not It's been super interesting to get a closer look at what all this means for one of the leading lights in payments and fintech. I'm excited to see how this one plays out. My bet is that the international expansion will take a longer rather than shorter pause. So, we're betting now, huh? Well, I'm more than willing to give odds that you are right. In fact, I read it will be at least 6 months, but I'm willing to give you a spread of 12 to 14. <laughs> There's a virtual handshake. We can do a physical handshake at Money 2020 in Vegas. Well, that's it for this episode of The Money Pot. We want to thank Chang Lee and Sampath Sharma for sharing their insights with us. We also want to give a tip of the cap to our producer Roland Bodenham for his exceptional producing skill, silky voice, and excellent taste in neckties. We've had a great response to the money pot and we're really excited to bring you the insights that you're looking for in each episode. So if you have suggestions, please email us at podcast@money2020.com. At and if you like us, please talk us up to your fintech friends. We aren't shy. We'd love to hear from you. And remember to subscribe. Until next time, and bye for now. This is essential essential essential, essential. essential. This is Essential Audio.